I want you to turn with me once again to a familiar passage of Scripture. And um, we're going to go to the book of Acts chapter 9. The book of Acts chapter 9, and we will read the first six verses. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Praise God. Acts 9, verses 1 through 6. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard. Everyone say hard. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Jesus made a statement to Saul of Tarsus that I think most of us present today are probably um, familiar with. But to somebody today, I, I want to point something out to you. Jesus said to this man, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It's hard. It's a hard thing you're trying to do, Saul. It's a hard thing you're trying to do. And so I want to just, now, and I thought about this. I, um, Brother Merriman Sunday night made the statement. He said something about me being able to always come up with great titles. And I think by doing that he put a curse on me because I, I couldn't come up with a great title today. So I'm going to blame him. But I'm just going to preach to you for a while today. Don't kick the pricks. Don't kick the pricks. Praise God. Can we put our Bibles down? Church, I really need you to pray right now. Let's get a hold of God. Let's seek the face of the Lord. Let's ask God to have his way in the remainder of this service right now. Hallelujah.
Lord Jesus, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, would you worship the Lord for just a moment more? Everybody, let's give God praise today. Let's give God praise today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus that it was hard for him to kick against the pricks. Now, I'm not sure exactly why the King James translators chose to use the word pricks in this case. The Greek word actually means an ox goad. And, uh, you know, this is one of the difficult things about living in such a technological age today when the Bible was written at a time when most of society was very agricultural. And so there's a whole lot of things that we just don't really comprehend today, especially you young whippersnappers. Uh, you just don't quite get it sometimes, uh, what is being spoken of. But, but the term here is talking about an ox goad. It was a sharp piece of iron that was stuck into the end of a long stick. And they would use these oxen to, to uh, pull their carts or to, uh, to plow the ground. And when the ox became stubborn and obstinate and the farmer's trying to tell him uh, that he needs to move on and he didn't want to move on, the farmer had this ox goad and he could take this long stick with the sharp point at the end made out of metal and he could give that ox a, a little poke and uh, uh, the, the ox understood, you know, um, that uh, he didn't want that pain anymore. He didn't want that jabbing anymore. And so he'd go ahead and move. Even though he didn't want to move, he would rather move than keep getting prodded by that ox goad. Amen. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Now, again, it's hard for us, even though I've tried to paint a verbal picture, it's hard for us to understand sometimes just what these were like. Amen. But the Hebrews generally made these goads very large. In fact, in order for you to understand just how big and how powerful they were. I want you to read for me, Brother Goff, Judges chapter 3 and verse 31. Listen to this. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines. He slew of the Philistines. Six hundred men. Six hundred men. With an ox goad. With an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. And he delivered Israel. I'm telling you, with one ox goad, it was strong enough. It was powerful enough. Of course, God was with Shamgar. There's no question God was anointing him and helping him. But I want you to understand, if he slew 600 men, they probably had swords. They probably had other weapons to try to fight, but they were no match for an anointed man with an ox goad. Well, hallelujah. 
Their swords weren't as long as that ox goad was. Amen. I'm telling you, a man that was skilled at using one could pluck the sword right out of the hand of a warrior. Amen. He could reach people that were much further away from him. Amen. They had to get a lot closer to use their swords than what he did to use his ox goad. You know, the same thing was true of the farmer. You don't want to stand too close behind that ox when you prod him with that goat. Because the ox is not the only one that's going to hurt if you do that. Praise God. Does everybody get the picture here? Amen. And so, uh, again, we look at Acts chapter 9 and verse 5. And Jesus says to Saul of Tarsus, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Amen. Praise God. Can you imagine an ox kicking against a goad that was large enough and strong enough to be a weapon of mass destruction? I'm telling you, even the ox, as strong as he was, was no match for that goad. As he struggled to free himself from the master, amen, uh, he would start to kick against the sharp prick of that goad. And rather than finding freedom from his master, he only found more pain and suffering. Amen. Praise God. And so this whole idea of kicking against the prick or kicking against the goad is derived from the action of a stubborn and unyielding ox that is kicking the goad. He would injure nobody but himself by doing it. Amen. The ox would gain nothing. Amen. And so this came to be a frequent phrase I found out as I was studying a lot of the ancient Greeks actually used this very same phrase all the time. It was a common thing for them to talk about kicking against the goad. And it became a symbol of futility. The phrase spoke of the fact, amen, that the harder you fight, the worse it gets. You're not going to win against the ox goad. You might as well surrender to the will of the master. You're not going to win in this battle against the ox goad. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so the phrase denoted an obstinate disposition and course of conduct, resisting the authority of the one who had a right to command and opposing the leadings of providence to the injury of him who makes the resistance. Amen. It spoke of fighting against lawful authority and thus getting into greater difficulty by attempting to oppose the commands to duty. In other words I'm here to preach to somebody today. Amen. That what has been happening in your life is because God has set you in his sights and God is on your trail and the suffering and the pain that you're finding is simply because you're not willing to yield yourself amen to the desires of the master but I'm here to tell you friend kick all you want to kick fight all you want to fight you're only hurting yourself you're not going to win not against the ox goad that's in the hands of master Jesus 
Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, when I read that, Jesus said it's hard. It's hard. That really caught my attention. It's hard to kick against the pricks. Now, you got to understand, he's not saying that it's a difficult process to do it. But he's talking about what's going to come as a result of it. And when I read, he said, it's hard. I immediately thought of what Solomon said. Read for me Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 15. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors, the way of transgressors is hard. Is what? Hard. Is what? Somebody said, I can't live like you Christians. That's a hard life. No, I'm here to tell you, friend, this is not a hard life. This is an easy life. This is a wonderful life. This is a glorious life. I've got the power of God residing in me, and he helps me overcome everything that comes my way. You want to talk about a hard life? The way of transgressors is hard. Amen. Now, when I got to look at it, this word, of course, this is an Old Testament passage. So it was written in Hebrew. I started looking at some other translations. And the way that they said this, the Jewish Publication Society put out a version. And they used the word harsh. The way of transgressors is harsh. Amen. The Lexham English Bible translated, translates it as coarse. Amen. Like rough sandpaper that, that's, that's the way they translate the word the revised version says rugged amen to help us understand what's being said here in the King James this same Hebrew word uh, appears in Deuteronomy 21 verse 4 read that for me and the elders of that city shall bring down the heifer unto a rough valley which is neither eared nor sown and shall strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley now Here's what he said. The elders of that city shall bring down the heifer into a rough valley. And the word rough, what happened? We lost our projector. I'm sorry. If I can figure this out. It's what? It's back there. Well, then just turn it off. Oh, whatever you got to do. Praise God. All right. Because uh, I'm not preaching about in focus. But I hope everybody is in focus right now. Hallelujah. So Deuteronomy 21.4, it's the same Hebrew word when they spoke of a rough valley. That, that's what Solomon was saying. The way of transgressors is rough. Amen. It's harsh. It's coarse. It's rugged. Amen. And then when I looked at the Greek that appears in Acts 9 and 5, Jesus said it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Amen. This is not always the case when you go from the Old Testament to the New and you look at a word. But here the word means much the same thing. Amen. And the Greek word that is translated hard means tough. It means severe or harsh, rough or stern. It means intolerable. And so just as Solomon said the way of transgressors is harsh and rough, Jesus told Saul that when you start kicking against the goad, it's harsh. It's rough. Amen. In fact, it's severe. In fact, 
Let me tell you something, Saul. It's intolerable. You're not going to win. It's just going to get worse and worse because I've got a job for you to do. I've got a plan for your life. What you're doing now is seeking your own plan. You've set your own goals. But Jesus was saying, I've got a plan for you, Saul. And so I'm going to use this goad as much as I've got to use it until I finally get your attention. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And so, so Jesus says, Saul, it's hard. It's hard. Amen. Amen. And I believe he was speaking of the divine impulse that was driving at the heart of this persecutor. The harder Saul fought against it, the more it seemed to just rein him in. Let's look at Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. Yes. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Now what we understand first of all is that Saul was largely responsible for this great persecution of the church. He was going around with letters. He was going around with authority to imprison and bind men and women. But the Bible also says that during this time, Saul was consenting unto his death. Amen. That's referring back to the end of the previous chapter where Saul stood by and held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. Amen. You would think that when a a man is being put to death for his words, that he would complain, that he would uh, would would cry out against his oppressors, against his killers. But instead, what Saul saw that day was a man who the. Bible says knelt and prayed Lord Jesus lay not this sin to their charge there was something about Stephen's attitude something about Stephen's spirit that when Saul went to bed at night he still remembered now listen he'd watched many people be put to death he'd seen multitudes be thrown into prison but something happened that day and God started dealing with the heart of Saul of Tarsus he couldn't get away from it amen he tried but you know what it did he started lashing out he started creating more persecution he started fighting the church even harder but listen the more he fought the more it ripped at his heart the deeper that goad began to go Saul you're wasting your time Saul you're fighting a losing battle you might as well given oh hallelujah hallelujah I believe Saul's fury in persecuting the church was really just his anger at God's prodding of his own heart hallelujah what he didn't realize was it was useless to fight against God's bricks hallelujah in fact I'm going to tell you Once God gets on your trail, and once God starts dealing with you, and he gets that goad in his hand, until you surrender, there's only one direction you're going to go. 
Hallelujah. Let me show you what that direction is. Let's go to the book of Jonah. I want to show you something. Jonah chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So God looked down, and he found a man. And he said, I've got a job for Jonah to do. Now what's the first word of verse 2? Since I don't have a screen up here to point to. Arise. The first word is arise. That means get up. Get up. I got a job for you to do. Hallelujah. You start following the Lord, it's always up. You hear me? It's always up. I'm telling you, we've just come through all these months of this lockdown. And yet when we gathered back in the house of God, we weren't down, Brother Goff. Our spirits were not down. We weren't depressed. We weren't defeated. I'm telling you, even in the midst of the worst situations, when you're following God, you're always going up. Come on, Jonah. Get up. Why don't you do what God wants you to do? Get up. Amen. And obey the calling God has put on your life. Oh, praise God. Oh, I feel like preaching today. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. But look at what happens. Let's let's read on. That's verse 2. God says, arise or get up. Uh, Jonah chapter 1. Amen. And this is verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He rose, he's trying to run away from God. Now notice this. And, and, and went down to and Joppa. He, wait a minute, he what? Went down. He what? Went down. God said, get up, Jonah, and do what I'm calling you to do. Jonah said, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not going to do what you're asking me to do. And I'm going to tell you, he thought, amen, that he was going the right way. He thought he was going to get away from it. But when you start running from the call of God, you start running, amen, from the voice of the master. I'm telling you, that direction is always down. God said, get up. But Jonah went down. Amen. I, I think this is interesting. He, verse 2 says, get up. Verse 3 says, he went down. What's verse 5 say? Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea uh-huh. to lighten it of them. Yeah. But Jonah but was gone Jonah, down. Wait a minute. But Jonah was what? Gone down. Gone down. To the sides of the ship. Yeah, he went down to Tarshish. He went down into the sides of the ship. I'm telling you, he's just sinking further and further all along this path. Why? Because he's trying to fight against God. Because he's trying to kick against the bricks. It's not going to work, my friend. It just won't work. You're just going to keep going down. You're just going to keep on suffering until you... You finally obey the voice of God. Of course, that wasn't the end, you know. That wasn't the end. He went down into the sides of the ship. And you know what finally happened. Amen. Eventually, they threw him overboard. And God had prepared a great fish to swallow him. And he was in the belly of that fish. 
depths of the sea. And here's his own words about what happened to him in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 6. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. I, wait a minute, I what? Went down. Yeah. He went down to Tarshish. He went down into the ship. He went down into the belly amen, of the fish. He went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Amen. I'm going to tell you, but he began to cry unto God. He finally realized, I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my effort. I'm not going to get away from this. I may not like it. I may not be happy about it. About it. it may not be what my will is, but I understand this. When God is on my trail, I'm just hurting myself to keep kicking against the pricks. And so let's go to verse 7, Jonah 2, verse 7. When my soul fainted my within, soul me, fainted within me, I remember the Lord. That's when I finally remembered the Lord. And my prayer came into my thee. My prayer unto came thee, unto thee. Into thine holy yes. temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Oh, listen to this now. Listen to this now. Amen. Amen. They forsake their own mercy. Read. But I will sacrifice I'm unto sacrifice thee with the voice thee, of thanksgiving. With the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay, pay that that I that vowed that I salvation vowed is of the Lord. Salvation is a, boy, what a different attitude Jonah's got. He finally got far enough down that he said, you know, there's only one thing for me to do. I might as well surrender. I might as well do what God wants me to do because salvation can only come from God. I'm not going to be able to dig myself out of this hole. I'm not going to be able to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. My only hope is to yield myself amen to the hand of God. And when he finally decided to turn back to God and quit kicking the pricks, the very next verse says this. And the Lord spake the unto Lord the fish. Spake to the fish. And it vomited out Jonah upon the dry him land. Out on dry land. For the first time, he's coming back up. Hallelujah. Amen. It wasn't a pleasant journey, but he if he had not been fighting against the pricks for so long, it wouldn't have gotten this bad. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody here today. I'm talking to somebody in this house today. And as I said when I first began, I'm not just preaching to sinners. I'm talking to good children of God. Amen. Sometimes God is calling you to a place of deeper commitment and God is asking you to give more of yourself and you decide, no, no, no. I've got other things. I want to make money. I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm going to tell you, friend, it's a wasted effort to kick against the pricks. When God sets his sights on you, you might as well yield yourself to what he wants. He knows Knows how to take you down. But if you'll give in, he'll start bringing you back up. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. You will be no more successful in your fight against the will of God than was Jonah. 
or was Saul? Jonah ended up in the belly of the fish. Saul ended up in the dirt blinded. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But they eventually did what God wanted anyhow. All the pain, the agony, they could have saved themselves. Uh, Brother Jared, uh, if they'd have just given in to God from the very beginning. If they'd have just said, yes, Lord, uh, my soul says yes. Uh, whatever you're asking, my soul says yes. Uh, Nineveh? Oh, I don't want to go to Nineveh. But you said it, God. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. Because I know that you know what's best for me. Hallelujah. You know, it's amazing to me. Both of these men, Jonah preached to a heathen nation and saw one of the greatest revivals in history. He did. He did. An entire nation. Turn to God. What an evangelist. Would somebody wake Jonah up and bring him back to America right now? Hallelujah. Or if you are Jonah, would you please quit fighting? Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. I'm going to tell you what a great revival that God wrought at the hands of a man. God had good things for Jonah. It was just a path Jonah didn't want to take. Hallelujah. And Saul. Saul didn't want to join up with those Christians. But look at what he accomplished. You talk about revival. Planting churches. All of Asia hearing the gospel. Writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Saul, was it worth it to finally give your life to God? Of course it was. Absolutely it was. In fact, I think if Saul had any regrets at all, it said, I wish I'd have never fought God in the first place. I wish I'd have listened to that preacher Stephen when he was preaching to me that day. I wish I'd have knelt in repentance right then and there when I first felt the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. I wish I would have listened at that point. Because God only had good things for Saul. But he was fighting. He was kicking against the goads. Listen, even the hard-hearted Jewish Sanhedrin understood you can't fight against God and win. Acts chapter 5, verses 38 and 39, listen to this. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot you overthrow cannot it. You cannot overthrow it. Lest haply ye be found even to fight against uh, God. Listen, I know I'm preaching to somebody today. I'm preaching to somebody today. Amen. I know, I know in the Holy Ghost, amen, that you have said in your mind, I don't want to pay that price. I don't want to, amen, to have to do this or do this or whatever it is. But I'm here to tell you, you're going to find yourself fighting against God. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. 
Archie. God doesn't give up. Amen. God doesn't quit. Amen. God is going to keep on pursuing you. And he's got the gold in his hand. It's just going to get more and more painful. It's just going to get more and more uncomfortable. Amen. Until you finally surrender yourself. Don't wait until you're wallowing in the dirt blind to finally give in and say, what would you have me to do? Don't wait until you're in the belly of the whale, the fish, whatever it was. Hallelujah. We talked about that on the podcast, didn't we? Amen. Don't wait until you're in the belly of that fish to finally cry out. Amen. It'll be so much better if you'll just yield to the voice of God. Let me say today to those who don't know him in the power of the Spirit. I just want to tell you, there is something unmistakable about the Holy Ghost and the presence of God. Once you've ever felt it, you'll never get away from it. You may not understand it. Amen. You may even be scared of it. But I'm going to tell you, you'll not forget it. Amen. You won't get away from it. You won't shake it off. I, I, I'm telling you, we saw people last year, amen, uh, uh, at, our, at our old settler's booth uh, that came up uh, and said, I used to go to your Sunday school. Amen. How is it? They still remember grown now. How do they remember, Brother Nelson? I'll tell you, there's something about the touch of God's spirit. You never get away from it. You try to fill your life uh, with everything and anything, but you can't get away from the reality of what the Holy Ghost feels like. Oh, hallelujah. Listen to me, friend. I'm not going to be preaching much longer, but listen to me. You may not understand it. Amen. You may be afraid of it, but you can't deny it, and you can't forget it. Amen. In fact, I'm going to tell you, you're going to find yourself craving more and more of it all the time. Well, praise God. Amen. Let me show you what happens to people who get a taste of the Spirit of God. Read for me 1 Corinthians 16 and verse number 15. I beseech ye, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, uh-huh. that they have addicted they have, themselves. They have what? Addicted themselves. They've addicted themselves to the ministry, to the of, the ministry of the saints. Uh, amen. I want to warn you today, my friend Pentecost is addictive. It's addictive. Amen. You get a taste of what we've been feeling around here, and you can't go back to a dead, dull, dry service. I don't know how many people have even told us during this shutdown. I don't know what it is, they've said. We've visited other churches, but we can't get away from this one. We cannot get this one out of our mind. I'll tell you what it is. The power of God is addictive. Amen. You get a taste of it. And you're not going to be satisfied with anything else. You might as well come on back. You might as well get in. You might as well make a way back to the house of God. Because you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be satisfied until you get more of this. My old pastor, I've heard him say it so many times. 
Brother Goff, he'd get up and say, once you visit our church three times in a row, you're hooked. You come three services in a row, you're hooked. You're just not going to be happy anywhere else. You're just not going to be satisfied with anything else. Amen. There's a lot of fake stuff out there. Amen. There's a lot of false stuff out there. I'm telling you. Amen. We don't need smoke machines. Amen. And different colored lights across the platform. All we need is a move of God. And it will have a move of God. When people walk through the doors, they're going to feel something that their spirit craves. And they're going to say this is what I've been looking for. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody that's hearing me right now. I'm telling you, God has got his hand on you. God is dealing with you. I know it's going to cost you something. I know you're thinking how painful, how difficult. Amen. All the things you've got to lay down. But I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Um, I, I feel like today God's dealing with somebody. God's dealing with somebody. I've watched people try to go back to their dead, dull churches. I've watched them put on a happy face. Try to pretend to the whole world, oh, what a wonderful church we attend now. But I've also watched them, Brother Jerry. I've watched them. Amen. They're not nearly as happy as they're trying to pretend. Amen. They're really not as happy as what they want everybody to believe that they are. Because you can't be happy when you're kicking against the pricks. You can't be happy when you're kicking against the pricks. Backslider today. You're still you're still in God's sights. And God still loves you. You may be a prodigal. You may have walked away from the father's house. But he still loves you. And he's waiting for the moment that he can embrace you once again. I'm here to tell you that's his voice that woke you up in the middle of the night. That's his call. Amen. That you felt. Amen. When you're tossing and turning on your bed. That's his spirit. That's bringing the tears to your eyes. Oh pretend you're happy. Go to your parties. Put on your smile. But I'm here to tell you you're not going to be satisfied as long as God's got the goad in his hand you might as well just say Lord what wilt thou have me to do oh, musicians come hallelujah hallelujah and so at Pentecost those Jews watched the 120. They listened to their praise, listened to them talking in tongues, heard them speaking in their own native languages, and they started making fun. They're saying, these men are full of new wine. They're a bunch of drunks. Yeah, yeah say what you want to say. But you know why you're saying that? 
You're saying it because God just took that goad. Oh, hallelujah. And you're trying to fight against it. God's prompting you to get into the midst of all that. And you're fighting against it. So they lashed out. They made fun. They threw out their questions. But Peter stood up and started preaching. And when he got through, it's interesting. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 says this. Now when they heard, they this, heard this, they, they were pricked. They were, wait a minute, they were pricked. They were, when they heard this, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Peter and the 11 weren't the only ones standing up that day. The Lord was standing right there too. And he had a goat in his hand. And he's looking out there at that crowd. And as Peter's preaching, God's got that goad. And when they heard this, they were pricked, they were in, their pricked heart. in their heart. Said and unto they Peter, said to Peter and to the rest, and of, to the the apostles, rest of the apostles, men and brethren, we surrender. We surrender. Men and brethren, what, what shall, we, shall do? we do? Hallelujah. The word prick here comes from a different Greek word. It means to labor down. It means to wear with toil. It means to, get this, to harass. You know what it is to harass somebody? They just won't leave you alone. They're constantly dialing your number. They're constantly sending you messages. They're constantly knocking on your door and running away. They're, they're, they're constantly stalking you, following behind you every time you turn around. Oh, you're harassing me. You're harassing me. Well, I want to tell you, that's what this word pricked me. God started harassing them. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, once God gets on your trail and he starts harassing you, he starts goading you, you might as well give up. Amen. To refuse to do so means you're starting down that rough, harsh, severe, intolerable pathway that's going to just take you on a constant downward spiral. Amen. And the only way to ease the pain of the pricks is to follow the directives given by Peter to this group who were pricked in their heart. Amen. Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Oh, friend, you can try to run. Let's stand today. You can try to fight. But to do so is to kick against the pricks. Don't kick against God's pricks. You're only hurting yourself. I'm telling you, find a place of repentance. Find a place of surrender. Give yourself to him totally. And he'll take you off that downward spiral. And he'll start you on the path that'll lead you upward. Let's lift our hands and talk to the Lord right now. 
everybody. Church, help me pray. Help me pray. I'm preaching to somebody today. I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to somebody today. You're there in your living room. Why don't you, why don't you turn around, fall to your knees, cry out to God. He's on your trail. He's got you in his sights. Brother Jared said it today. It may, you may just feel like that little ant. What can I do? What can I do? Doesn't matter. God's got a plan for you. God's got a goal for your life. And the only way you're going to be happy is when you say, Lord, what would you have me to do? I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes. And what about you, child of God? What about you right here in this auditorium right now? Has God been dealing with you? Has God been talking to you about doing more fasting, doing more praying? Has God been talking to you about surrendering yourself to a greater degree? Don't fight it. Don't push against it. Don't kick the pricks. These altars are open. If you want to come pray today, the altar is the first step up. The altar is the first step up.